ourselves. Hey, welcome to Southwood. Stand on up and let's begin our worship morning together. Yeah. 
welcome back. It says it perfectly. We are here to gather and worship, and we're so glad you're here. If you are watching live stream, you are just as much here as you are there. I hope that makes sense, but you are completely involved, completely here, and we see that, and we recognize that, and uh, we're glad you're tuning in. Uh, thanks for coming out. It's really a great day to be together, and uh, we're just glad you're here. Before we move on, just a couple of housekeeping things we want to let you know about. Um, when you came in, you should have grabbed a uh, communion cup for later. Um, if you're at home, feel free to take this time to go grab something as well. If you didn't grab a communion cup here, you may go get one at uh, one of the tables in the back, okay? And we'll uh, take communion a little bit later. Also want to let you know that for the kiddos, uh, Kristen, our children's pastor, has prepared our sermon in a sack, and they're back there along kind of that back uh, wall. And uh, feel free to grab one and take it home for your kiddos, all right? And they're also located in our West Building. What's happening in the West Building? It is our interactive live stream experience up in the Student Center. And so it's this service, live broadcast on the live stream, like we've been watching with host people, uh, host groups up there and um, tables. So it's a little different environment and it's interactive. We have people up there leading worship um, alongside the live stream. So check that out sometime if that's a more comfortable environment for you. And uh, again, we're just glad you're here. Um, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand up with us, if you will. And we're going to just dive into worship. And we hope you see a theme through these uh, next couple of songs, kind of where we're at in our world right now and uh, where we need to be and what, what God's called us uh, to be. All right, so join in with us. We're ready.
worshiping. Just as a reminder, over the last few months, you know, our, our ways to give, um, our offering, we aren't passing trays or anything, so feel free to, to leave it in the back in a basket, do it online at southwoods.org. You can also just uh, walk in sometime this week. Thank you for your faithfulness so far, and uh, God has blessed all of that and has allowed church to continue and ministries to be blessed, so thank you from the bottom of our hearts uh, for continuing to be so faithful. Let's keep worshiping together.
so true. The God that we serve, the God we worship this morning takes all this chaos and evil that's in the world, right? And he'll turn it. He'll turn it for his good because that's his promise in scripture. Every week at Southwoods, we take a time out um, just to focus on communion. And around here, um, we normally pass trays of bread and juice. You grabbed one when you came in. If you need one, feel free to go back to the table and get one. But it's an opportunity and a time to humbly say, thank you, God, that you're in control of our current day chaos. Thank you, God, that you knew that current day chaos was coming. And so you sent your son here to show us what, what a life would look like and how we're to behave and how we're to act and who we're to follow and who's our final authority. And so Jesus Christ came, lived his life on this earth to show us that example, died on the cross for our sins. We all know that piece of it. But during communion, oftentimes I think, I know I forget, so maybe you find yourself in this same camp, Sometimes I forget to invite him into my current day life and to show me all the ways that I'm falling short, to show me all the ways that my sin is messing up relationships or causing me to see things wrong. And I love Psalm 139, 23 through 24. You're probably very familiar with it, but if not, here's, here's the new living version. It says, search me, O God, know my heart. Here's where it gets scary. Test me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path everlasting. The message version of that says this, and this kind of made me do this because it's a really hard thing to ask God to do. Investigate my life. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about and see for yourself whether I've done anything wrong and then guide me into your life everlasting. As believers, that's the kind of prayer we want, right? We want God to illuminate anything in our life that needs fixing. And communion's a great time to focus on that. So it's a challenge for sure. But we're going to sing a song called Search Me, O God. It was written by uh, Lori. Pastor Greg's wife, Lori Montague, and um, it's the heart of that message. So let's sing that together, and afterwards you'll have a seat and uh, take communion time for a few minutes, okay? Let's sing it together.
If we bow our heads and let's pray together, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good, that you're gracious. We thank you that you are God. We thank you that, uh, that the day is coming when we'll see you face to face. And we long for that day. And we long for your mercy and grace in this moment to wash over our land and over our lives. Would your spirit strengthen us and guide us in the way that you'd have us to go. And as you do that, we'll rejoice to be your children. And we want to be light we want to be salt. We want to be blessing in this world that you've put us in. So help us to that end, God. Now speak to us from your word, and uh, we long to hear from you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to have more faces here in the room with me. It's wonderful to have those of you who are watching via live stream as well. So thrilled about that. It's wonderful to have the interactive live stream experience folks on, uh, on uh, here with us too. So, so yay you guys. So, um, you know, the events of recent weeks have been distressing to say the least for all of us, right? I mean, two weeks ago we saw on the news a white police officer in Minnesota who was sworn to uphold the law senselessly break it. He killed a black man that he was arresting, George Floyd, who was unarmed and who was not resisting arrest. It was wrong. This past week, we watched a retired police officer, though, in St. Louis, die at the hands of rioters who were looting a pawn shop in protest of George Floyd's death two weeks earlier. That was wrong. In recent days, there have been many senseless deaths. There have been businesses destroyed, lives traumatized. We're daily watching lawlessness increase almost unchecked, in, uh, certainly in the news and in many cities across our country. And during the last few days, the recommendation has uh, come down from some that let's solve the problem by defunding police departments. Um, I'm not a rocket scientist, nor a social scientist, but that's like trying to end COVID-19 by defunding physicians, groups, and medical research departments. It's not a brilliant insight. Friends, these are strange times that you and I live in, to say the least. And as followers of Jesus, how are we going to think, how are we going to respond besides simply pray? Which, of course, we all need to pray. We all need to be doing that. But how do we keep our heads clear with all of the injustices we've seen, heard, experienced? How do we keep our heads clear with all the, the swirl of information that's coming at us day in and day out? And some of what I'm going to talk about today will help us with that. And what today's message doesn't help us with next week's will help additionally. But uh, with God's help, you and I can all stay clear-headed. We can do that even in the midst of this environment that we're living in right now. For the next few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to look together at what Scripture has to say about all this. And let me just say it has a whole lot more to say about this than you and I have time for this morning. Uh, but in the time that we have, I want to focus our thoughts on four countercultural biblical instructions that can help bring peace to our souls, clarity to our minds and consciences, and can really help us preserve peace in our culture if we'll take the Word of God seriously. And we all need to do that. 
So I hope you'll listen close for the next few minutes. Uh, maybe jot down a few notes. Uh, if, you got, if you're here with me, grab a pen. At least write down the passages of Scripture that I reference. If you forget everything I say, you're, in, you're fine. But if you can remember these passages of Scripture, they will go a long way to helping you uh, in the days ahead. The first countercultural biblical instruction that can help us keep a clear head when we're faced with the injustice we see everywhere we look is this. We need to understand the times. This is the first instruction. We need to understand the times. What do I mean by that? I want you to listen to what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Familiar words to a few of us, but for many of us, we maybe have not thought about this at all if... You know, maybe, maybe some for a long time, not for a long time. In the, in the de last days, the Bible says, there will be difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful, the passage says. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that, the Bible says. And Jesus adds this thought to this in Matthew 24, verses 12 and following, a similar vein of thought in the passage where he's speaking there. He adds and says, because lawlessness will be increased... The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now, we could read many other similar passages, but here's the point. As we get closer to Jesus' return, and by return, when he comes back, you remember he has plans to personally uproot all injustice. This is what he's going to do. It's going to come to an abrupt halt injustice and lawlessness in our day will. But until that day comes, the Bible actually says lawlessness is going to increase, not decrease. We should appropriately speak out against it. We should lawfully resist it. But wisdom dictates that in our spirits, you and I need to calibrate our expectations with regard to justice in light of the times in which we live. We're watching with our own eyes, friends, brazen lawlessness increase. And we need to remember the lessons of Scripture and history. Only Jesus can change a human heart. Only Jesus can transform an unjust culture. We need repentance right now, not riots. We need forgiveness, not firebombs. We need Jesus, not a new justice department. And if we'll keep that in mind, and if we'll understand the times in which we live, it can go a long way to helping you and me stay clear-headed in the fog of words that is our culture right now. If we just keep this clear in our minds, it can help us to remember to pray. It can help us to remember who the real enemy is. And the real enemy, if you remember what Scripture says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, right? Remember that? Ephesians 6. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in the heavenly realms. I mean, as I've said in many other instances, and the Scripture's just clear, there is a conspiracy. It's just not human in origin. It begins in the invisible realm with the evil one himself. And if you and I'll keep all of that clear, it'll help us to prepare ourselves for the day when all injustice is going to abruptly and thankfully come to an end, the day when Jesus comes again. There's a second countercultural biblical instruction that can help us to keep a clear head when we face, are faced with much of the injustice that we see going on around us. It's this. We need to individually focus on forgiveness. Individually, every one of us needs to focus on forgiveness. In our culture, our tendency is to focus on what offends us. We need to focus instead on forgiveness. Jesus taught his disciples how to pray 
And when he taught his disciples how to pray, here's what he taught them to say about the subjects of sin and injustice in his teachings about how to pray. He taught them to pray, Father, Matthew 6, verse 12, Father, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us, he says. Look at that real close because we blow past this, some of us do, because of familiarity. Father, forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, truthfully. Because two verses later, Jesus explains what he meant by that in verses 14 and 15. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will, what? Not forgive your sins. He's saying they'll be unpardonable. Your sins, my sins, will be unpardonable. These were Jesus' expectations of his followers at a time in history when he was walking the earth, when Rome was jailing and confiscating the possessions of innocent followers of God simply because they hated them. Really, that was the main reason why. They worshiped a little different, and therefore we hate you for that. Terrible injustices were committed against God's followers. Some were crucified, of course, we know. And according to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35 and following, others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope, the Bible says, in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated, the Bible says. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. It was a terrible time to live, really. And at the same time, the best of times. If Jesus expected his followers in his day to forgive those kinds of unjust abuse, what do you think he'd say to our culture? He would definitely say, you would do well to focus more on forgiveness than offense. Doesn't mean that you ignore everything that goes wrong. But it does mean that change begins right here with me, with you. Focus on forgiveness. And I think he'd add that we all need to resist paybacks. We need to resist Revenge. That's really the third countercultural biblical instruction that can help us stay clear headed when faced with injustice. Contrary to popular belief, revenge does not quiet anger and settle our minds and emotions. Instead, paybacks tend to fuel anger and unrest in us and others, and yes, even a culture. And that serves the purposes of some in our world who are not walking with God. That's why the Bible gives all of us who claim to be followers of God these really clear instructions in Romans 12. This is a passage I would plead with you to write down right now. And maybe for the next few weeks as we are in this season as a culture, we need to reflect on these verses every single day, at least once or twice. Romans 12, verses 14 and following succinctly say this, Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. It's just an appeal to keep listening, to just keep listening, keep learning. And verse 17 adds this thought, never pay back evil with more evil. How often should we pay back evil for evil? Never pay back evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you're honorable. 
Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. It's as if the scriptures are even acknowledging that there are some people who love division and hatred and they want you to love it like they do. And if you'll abandon peaceableness, guess what? You'll be their friend for a while. But it's just saying do all that you can, everything, to live in peace with everyone. It just acknowledges there are those who can't do that. Verse 19 continues, says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And then the passage concludes by saying, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. You know, the concise counsel of God to his people is to resist revenge, to never give in to it. It is not your friend. It will not help you advance any cause that God dreams of being advanced. And the fourth instruction is that you and I need to instead do good. We need to do good. Romans 12, 21. Don't let evil conquer you. But what does it say? Conquer evil by doing good. Indulge me for a moment. Just read that verse. It's, it's on the screen beneath me. It's right here on our screens here in the auditorium. Read it out loud with me. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's what you and I need to focus on. This past week, I ran across a YouTube testimony by a Christian man who's a very well-known uh, comedian. I have a lot of respect for him. He's performed on The Tonight Show, The Late Late Show, Oprah, Jimmy Kimmel Live, Comedy Central, lots of other places, including homeless shelters and prisons and various other places like that. Uh, the comedian's name is Michael Jr. He's a very funny guy. If you've never heard him, you should uh, you know, go on YouTube and search some of his comedy. It's very funny. And it's clean, uh, which, you know, is a novelty nowadays. So, uh, but go listen to Michael uh, and some of his stuff. But Michael's testimony that I want to share with you in the next few moments is a testimony of how he dealt with some injustice in his life. And it's amazing. It's an amazing testimony. And it reveals the healing power of doing good. And what he says, says it better than I could say it. So I want to share with you uh, the testimony that he's got. Uh, it's out on YouTube. You can look at it later if you want to, but you can watch it live with me right now. I hope you'll listen carefully. I hope you'll follow his example. Here uh, is uh, Michael Jr. Just listen close. Yo, so I'd like to tell you a story. Um, story about me. I'm 19 years old, right? I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I am preparing to buy an oil change business with some other guys. I worked as an oil change technician since I was 14 years old, and now I want to buy a business. I want to own my own business. So I'm working like 16 hours a day, working hard, trying to get up enough money to buy this business. And I lived in this apartment complex. It wasn't the most sketchy complex, but it wasn't the best complex either. I didn't have any, I had, I was saving every dollar I had. So my apartment complex was, uh, it wasn't that complex. Let me just say that. Um, but across the hall from me was some people who, they didn't look like me, but it was pretty clear to me that they were selling some drugs. In fact, there was a, there had been a gas company truck parked outside of, in our apartment uh, parking area for a, for a few weeks, but we didn't have gas at all in the apartment. It was, everything was electric. So I thought that was a little suspicious. And knowing that they were selling drugs or whatever, but I didn't care. I didn't have anything to do with that stuff. I just want to do, I just want to be a business owner at this point. And um, I remember uh, going to work. I'd work 16 hours. I'm on my way home. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. And as I come around the corner, I noticed that the dome light inside that truck was on. And when I bent the corner, it turned off real fast. But listen. I know what this means because I've been in this kind of scenario before. This means that place has probably been raided. And then I also see a bunch of uh, 
people or legs jumping behind trees and in cars and suddenly it's quiet. So I know what this is. I know exactly what is going on. It's, it's probably been a bust of some sort. So I park like I normally would because I know I can't just drive off because I'm they're gonna fall. I don't know what's gonna happen. So I stopped the car, I put it in park, I rolled the window down and I put both hands out the window. It's completely dark outside right now. You don't see anybody, like nobody's around, like nobody. I stick both my hands out of the window and I say, listen, officers, I want you guys to know I don't have anything to do but while you're here. I just got off work and I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and I'm just going to my apartment. Please understand that. I stick both my hands out the window and I, I got both hands out the window and I, and I slowly open the door. I hear nothing. Nobody responds. It is completely quiet. It is actually too quiet. So I go ahead and I get out of the vehicle and um, I get out real, real slow with both my hands still in the air. And as soon as the door closes, 15, maybe 17 police officers come rushing at me. Now I'm afraid, and they're yelling, put your hands up, put your hands up. My hands are already up and they're, and they're being extremely aggressive. And here's the thing though, I understand this because they just did a drug bust. Somebody else is, is driving up. They gotta check me out and see who I am. I fully get that. Like that's probably protocol. And then they asked me for my ID and I didn't have my ID on me. Um, I left it in the counter uh, I'm sorry, over the stove in my apartment. And I explained to him, hey man, I, I just don't have it. I was in a rush to get out today, it's it. But I I don't have anything to do with these drugs. I have nothing to do with those guys. And now aggressively, and there's one police officer in particular who let's just say wasn't, um, he, just, he, he just seemed to not like me extra for whatever reason. And so they are walking me up to my apartment, like every single step I take, they're taking steps right along with me. And I said, listen, as soon as I use this key to open the apartment, that'll prove to you that I live here and I don't have anything to do with them and we'll just go inside. Now, now keep in mind, I ain't had no money. I got a, a air conditioner and a mattress on the floor in my apartment. That's all I got. It, it kind of looked like a crack house. I'm gonna throw that out there. Like it, it, it wasn't the best looking scenario. But regardless, when I open my key, that means I have nothing to do with them. I twist the key in my heart and I just take a sigh like, oh, this thing is over. I walk in, the officers bust their way into. They're demanding to see my identification. And I tell them my ID is over the stove, but I'm not moving. Cause I know if I make any sudden movements, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty afraid at this point. So I walk over to the uh, to the stove area, super, super slow. And I explain to them, I'm talking them through what it is I'm going to do. And instinctively, I notice from growing up that this is what needs to happen. I say, so I'm about to lift up my right hand. I'm going, I'm reaching into the cabinet. I'm pulling the cabinet door open. Literally, I was walking them through step by step by step. And I reach into the cabinet and I say, nah, I, I feel the wallet. I'm about to pull the wallet out. As soon as I say that, that cop, the one I told you about, he takes his gun, puts it to the back of my head right here and cocks the hammer back. And I'm so afraid and angry and hurt because he could end my life right now and they can come up with some sort of story and nobody ever knows who Michael Jr. is. Just like that. So, um, so I reach, uh, I, I hold my wallet out like this and they, uh, they check my ID. That officer takes his gun off my head and he uh, he leaves. The other officers stick around and um, really just trying to make sure I'm not going to complain or call anybody, but who was I going to call? Like really, who was I going to call? And then they leave. And then I remember sitting on the floor, hurt, 
in serious pain and just angry for probably 30 minutes. Then there's a knock on the door and a door busts open and it's the lady from across the hall whose boyfriend or husband has just been taken away for selling drugs. And she's unconsolable. She's crying and screaming. They took everything, they took everything and she's she's speaking like broken English. I don't understand exactly. She's got these two little kids with her and she is in pain, hurt, afraid. She doesn't know what to do. And I'm listening to her and I'm thinking, well, you probably should pick a better boyfriend. That's what I'm thinking. But like, she's the reason this just happened to me. But instead I just listened to her. And even though I couldn't understand everything she was saying because our pain matched, the communication was made way more clear than it should have been. So I reached into my wallet and I had like $14 and change and I gave her all of the money I had. And she was so grateful. She gathered her kids and they gave me like a hug and then they just, they left and she was still kind of crying. But I always thought that her coming to ask for that money was me giving to her, but she actually gave me a gift that's way greater. In that moment when I was so hurt, when I was in so much pain, I was able to see somebody else's pain. And then I found an opportunity where she gave me an opportunity to give to her. I can't tell you what that did for me. Immediately, the pain and the hurt started to subside. Immediately, the pain started to go away, even though I couldn't articulate it in the moment. I should say the anger started to go away. I was still hurt. I was super hurt, but I know like I know that lady gave me a gift that I needed right at that moment. And because of that, I've been able to forgive that officer. Like I never had a conversation with him, but I don't hold any anger towards him at all or any officers. Listen, I love people. Like I love people. And if you have on a uniform, that doesn't mean you're not a person. I love people, but I also know that if we really wanna be healed, like if, if there's a lot of us hurting right now, but I'm telling you the thing to do is to look for the person next to you who's hurting as well and ask the question, what can I give? If you simply can ask, what can I give? There's healing in that because the people around you need you right now. They need you to be willing to give, whether it be financially, whether it be understanding, whether it just be a hug, whether it be just to listen. And when you give in such a way, it's going to bring healing to you. The anger, the pain, the hurt will start to subside. That's where the healing takes place. I'm telling you, like I'm telling you, we need to ask the question, what can I do for someone else? I appreciate you, I love you, Michael Jr. All he's saying is that you conquer evil by doing good. It's not a new concept. It's a biblical concept. It's exactly what Jesus did when he was confronted by evil, when he was unjustly tried, when he was sentenced and executed unfairly, a kangaroo court, a farce of justice. But he conquered. He conquered evil. And he's given you and me the same ability to do that with the power of his spirit at work within us. So friends, let's put, just a pra put into practice the teachings of Scripture. Let's do exactly what Michael Jr. recommends. It will help you and me clear our heads of much of the injustice, much of the anger, much of the frustration that we see and hear and experience in the course of life. And what today's message doesn't help us resolve, Jesus and the rest of this series will go a long way toward helping us bring resolution to as well. If you never invited Jesus to become the Savior, to be the Lord of your life, if you've never asked Him to cleanse you, as we sang about earlier, I just want to encourage you right now just to invite Him to do that, to cleanse you, to fill you, to make you His. If you've never been baptized like the Bible teaches, I want to encourage you to make plans today to follow through on that. Uh, you can tell us about that if you're here, and we can help make arrangements for those things. Or if you're listening via live stream, uh, you can email us right now at pastors at southwoods.org. And we'll, we want to help you take next steps, whether you're listening on live stream or whether you're in presence with us.
and I hope that you'll plan to join us next week as we continue this series. My title next week is Help Me Clear My Head of Media Fatigue. I like that. And uh, we all need that. So uh, join us next week if you would. Let's all stand together if you're here with us. And uh, join us in prayer if you would if you're listening via live stream. All right, let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have demonstrated exactly what we've talked about. You're not asking us to do something that you have not lived out. We ask, O oh Lord, that the absolutes of your word would become the instructions that govern our lives and our culture. Lord, help us to repent and not riot. Help us to show forgiveness instead of firebomb things. Help us to turn to you, Lord Jesus, instead of thinking that there are other things in our world that are going to address the needs that are deep within our souls. Would you meet us where we are, oh Lord? And would you help us by the power of your spirit to do good rather than evil when we're confronted with the injustice in our world today? Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for caring. And now would you fill us with your spirit and help us to be salt and light and blessing everywhere we go this week. It's in Jesus' name we lift this prayer. And everybody agreed with me? That's it? Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in today.